0: On Point Unscripted, the Cork Chamber podcast series that goes beyond commerce. I'm Fiona O'Donovan from Cork Chamber, and in this episode, I chat with electrician and business owner Ken O'Connell and president of MTU Maggie Cusack about the untapped potential of apprenticeships. Ken, welcome to Cork Chamber's uh, podcast. Thanks for joining us here today. Nice to meet you. So you put up a TikTok video, Ken, just in relation to the problems that there is surrounding attitudes around apprenticeships, um, the low uptake, the lack of female representation. There's a, a plethora of problems really, but your video got such a huge reaction. I get
1: young fellas talking to me, asking me about apprenticeships, and I, re- I realise like, that they don't know a lot about how to get into them. They're not encouraged to get into them by school or by home, so... It was just something I had in my mind for the last couple of years. And to be honest, my wife encouraged me, just go ahead and, and put up a video. So, um, yeah, I just did a video sitting in the van one morning and, um, yeah, it just took off. It's just it just a bit of a ramble about what my thoughts on it. And um, it's over a quarter of a million views now.
0: The thing, though, it wasn't a ramble. It, it was, it hit home for so many people.
1: It's not anti-college. It's just that I'm fierce pro-apprenticeship. And I, I just see kids and it's all, it's just this points race of you have to get X amount of points. You have to go to college and college seems to be the be-all and end-all, when all I'm saying, Fiona, is it's not the be-all and end-all. There's great careers out there in apprenticeships, you know, that they can be the start of a great career, or you can train as a plumber, electrician, carpenter, you can work away at it for the rest of your life, but also they are great foundations for a child who maybe may not be 100% sure, but likes the idea of being a carpenter or a plumber, electrician, et cetera, and that then that's a springboard to much greater things. Lots of the guys I serve my apprenticeships, and it was all guys, there was no girls when in the company that I worked with, Um Lots of them have moved on, and when they qualified, they went back to college. They studied engineering, they studied finance, things like that, and they've moved up the ladders, up the ladder in their jobs. Some of them have gone into senior management positions in companies. Some of them wouldn't know one end of a screwdriver from another anymore, like, you know. Um, it's just this this whole snobbery around it. Fiona, I suppose I call out the snobbery around it. Um, that it's just, just if a kid throws any interest or any passion to go down an apprenticeship route, just to encourage them to back them and to let them follow their dreams, basically, like not to stop them, you know.
0: And that snobbery that you talk about, you know, is, has that always been evident to you?
1: Always. It's it's evident in, in it's evident in so many ways, Fiona. It's evident in. I had a, a mum, on to me one time, and she said, "My son, he wants to be an electrician. How do I convince him to be an electrical engineer?" And my answer to her was. Why would, you let, why would you do that? He'll make a lot more money as an electrician. Plus, that's what he wants to. No, no, he is going to college. Do you know?
0: What was the mindset there that it, it, it wasn't a good enough career for him? It wasn't
1: good enough. It wasn't acceptable. It's okay for a neighbour's child to do an apprenticeship or be a tradesman. But God forbid one of my kids is going to be an apprentice or a tradesman. It seemed like a failure do you know? And like lots of the guys I serve my apprenticeship as well, super intelligent guys, Fiona, some of the sharpest people I know, the most intelligent people I know are people who've served apprenticeships. Do you know, they are so quick, they're so sharp. And there's just this, this, um, this um,
0: stereotype stereotype
1: really? of like, yeah, oh, try on the high-vis jacket and go off in the van and buy your big breakfast roll, your jumbo breakfast roll, you know. And it's so, it's the, it's the opposite is the case in so many instances. And now as well, this, there's new apprenticeships, Fiona. You know, there's the 37 new apprenticeships.
0: Tell me a little bit about them.
1: So now, if you want to go into finance, if you want to go into accounting, insurance, auctioneering, biopharma, there's there's apprenticeships in all of those, right? Now, some of them go to level six, some level seven, level eight, which is your bachelor's degree, but some of them go as far as level nine, which is your master's degree. Are kids in college being to, or in school being told about this? That you know, you can go down the you can qualify as an accounting technician or whatever after a couple of years. You can go down the farm a pharma route. You can go into supply chain management to come out with your masters. Kids just don't know it.
0: And do you think that's the problem, Ken? That you know, is it a problem coming from you know school level where we need to tackle this from an earlier age? Or is, is it a societal problem or is it a bit of both?
1: Bit of both, bit of both. I think there's definitely a problem in schools and I've been ridiculed now for saying it Fiona but in my, in my opinion from what I see is you're judged on success as a principal and as a teacher by how many kids you put through from sixth year into your third level. I've been to, my son is in third year now, I remember being at his first year orientation and one of the first stats we were given was the percentage of kids, the average percentage of kids who left the school to go on to third level that was the first thing we were told we weren't told about. I just, I just think if you're judging a kid's success in life by whether I can get him from I, him or her from five years old to 18 and then get them into college, is that how we're judging success in people's lives? That's madness. For, say the electrical, no, I'll stick with the electrical because that's what I know. A first year electrical apprentice will start on 17,000 a year. Second year is around 22 or 23,000 a year. By the time they're in third year, they're on 33,000 a year, 32, 33. And then fourth year is just shy of 40,000 a year. So in his fourth year twenty-one, twenty-two, he or she, they're earning 40,000 a year and they're still training.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't think that awareness is there. Is, is that a fair point?
1: Definitely. The kids don't know about it. I have an apprentice myself at the moment. He's in his second year and he always says it when he was in school. They were just never told these things, you know. Another issue, sorry, Fiona, if kind of jump your own place, is Solace are the crowd who run, say, the traditional apprenticeships. They find it hard to get into some schools, you know.
0: And I think maybe that's probably something that certainly needs a change, you know, from from school level. But also, we, and we spoke briefly about this, Ken, the CAO, do you think that's a problem?
1: If you look at countries where they really treat a, the apprenticeship programmes seriously, like in Germany, it's it's seen as a third level qualification. It's not seen as something that's lesser than, than a college degree or anything here. It's seen on the same pedestal, I suppose. So it definitely would help. Now, there's obviously the intricacies of how we work out employers, matching employers with CAO and so on and so forth. But it would definitely be a start. And it would definitely be a start for if I'm 15, 16 years old and I'm going home to mum and dad and I'm saying I want to do an apprenticeship in this well at least it's on the CEO at least it's part of it at least I'm on the same footing as the next door neighbour's child maybe it will help from that side like there's a lot needs to be worked out there now with you know tying up employers with the, C- with the CEO system but on the whole yeah it has to be a good thing has to be a good So thing.
0: a change is needed from school level one way or the other that you know you other, know, yeah. would you be calling at this stage on, on the Department of Education to get involved here and
1: yeah yeah
0: because it is a problem. We are short on, on, on apprentices. Um, is that a fair point?
1: We are hugely short, Fiona. We have, we've committed to building five, or retrofitting 500,000 houses by 2030, right? It's 55,000 houses a year that we need to do. We do not have the people to, to build them. We don't have them.
0: So ultimately, we're not going to meet the goals set out in, in some of our national development plans?
1: High in the sky. Not a hope. There's not a hope in hell. Not a hope. And that's just a retrofitting programme. That's not talking about the new bills that we need. People buying houses at the moment. You can see what's happening. Prices are going through the roof. The the stock isn't there. People aren't there to build them.
0: It's interesting because I think we all kind of noticed it during lockdown. People wanted to do up rooms or put in home offices or whatnot. They used a lot of the money they weren't going on holidays with to put in that unit they'd always wanted. Couldn't get a carpenter for months. Couldn't get an electrician couldn't get any tradesmen to come into your home unless you rang them six months in advance. Yeah. Do you think maybe that has got people thinking about where we're, where we're actually at? I
1: hope it does, Fiona. I really do. I really hope it does because that is, that is a fact. We did a renovation job in our own house and I know all of the guys. I know the plumbers. I know the characters. And I found it difficult to get them in. So I can imagine somebody who doesn't have the contacts, you know, it's a huge, it's it's a huge problem. Back to this retrofitting thing again. Like, unless we really get into the schools and really encourage kids to get out there and as well upskill the people who are already qualified in things in all this new technology, we're not going to meet the targets.
0: Has your trade been good to you?
1: I've had a great life from Fiona, yeah. I suppose I was just always fascinated with electricity from being very young. And actually a very big influence on me was one of my parents' friends. He was um, He was an electrician and he was always the guy like, you know, he always seemed to have the nice car. He always seemed to be the fellow who was going on holidays every year. This back in late 80s, early 90s, early, nobody went abroad, you know. And uh, he was always that guy, you know. I was going, Jesus, magic. Like, What's his job, you know? he found out then he was electrician. I thought, this is it. That's definitely the route I'm going down.
0: What was your parents' reaction to that?
1: They, in fairness to them, they were very supportive, whatever I wanted to do, to be fair to them. And then when I was in sixth year in school, the ESB were looking for apprentices. So I had gone to two or three interviews and I had got as far as the, I think it was the last interview or maybe second last interview. I'd done the aptitude test and all that, but at the same time, the CAO offers came out and I had written down engineering on my CAO. Of course, from school, then the pressure was to go to college. I did a very good leaving survey and I did very well, got very good points. And I went in and I loved college, made great pals in there we had great time. But after a year, I just said, look, it's not for me. I want to get out. I want to start earning. Got an apprenticeship then with a company called Sean Ahern in Cork. He had 170 electricians, I think, when I started with him, yeah, and um, yeah, sort of my apprenticeship with them, got a fabulous apprenticeship with them. Then after that, I said I'd go back and I'd do electrical engineering. Okay. Yeah, so I went back, uh, just to put it, as I was saying earlier, lads who went back, and I was going to be one of them, I said, I'll move up the ladder here, and I'll get my engineering degree in my back pocket as well, move up, but... What happened then is I start doing your Foxers, you know, where you're going yep. out, you're doing the jobs from friends and family, and I started making making some money. And I said, geez, you know, I might give this a go. That was 18 years ago. So
0: And did going to college in conjunction with the apprenticeship, did that kind of do you think that gave you a little bit of a um an advantage on on others, maybe?
1: Afterwards, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, no, because I never actually used it, Fiona. I w- if I had gone for a job in industry, I obviously would have been hugely beneficial because somebody that's what I was saying earlier, somebody with an apprenticeship. Within, with then who then goes back and does a degree or does a diploma or something and, and tax that onto it they're hugely valuable to employers like you know it's industry massively because not only do you have the theory side of it but you have the practice side of it I remember when I went back to college as a qualified electrician I was doing electrical engineering like there was boys and girls in the class like they didn't know very very basic stuff and these guys were in their Third year of electrical engineering, you know, you'd be thinking they should not, and it's only kind of then you realise. Hold on a second, I'm I'm at a huge advantage here to these people, you know.
0: Again, something that that hasn't been communicated to you know school leavers as yeah, such. Yeah. And and tell me, you know, after you put the video up. Did you expect the level of response that you got from it? People actually getting on to you, looking for nearly advice on...
1: Yeah, no, Fiona, I didn't expect a response. And I certainly I didn't expect all these messages that I'm getting, private messages, emails from people. Like, were really, really personal stories. Like, you know, lots, lots from women. I think there was a woman texting, she said she wanted to be a carpenter when she was leaving school. And her mum said, no, you're going down the nursing route. And I think her exact quote was, while I... Well, I enjoy my work and I think I'm I'm a good nurse. It's not my passion, she said. And she said, you know, I constantly think about what it should have been. Another girl where she was in an all-girl school, similar to the story we were talking about a while ago, would have loved to have gone down the apprenticeship route, but didn't and feels she's working in a dead end job now. No trying to email her back and say you're not, it's you know fine honourable job, but just awful stories like that. Guy a guy probably late sixties who just had an awful life and when it was all traced back at all stemmed back to one particular time when he was leaving school. And an apprenticeship wasn't good enough for his family. I know there was a big focus, obviously, on getting kids into college, right? I think b- fantastic. And there's a huge emphasis now in schools on girls and STEM subjects, right? Fantastic as well. But we're just, we're just missing one big whole chunk of kids. I know them. I talk to them. They tell me their stories. They tell me about how tough it is sitting around the dinner table at home with their mom and dad, that they want to go down a certain path. Where, when did this all happen? The Irish went all over the world and built the world. We're renowned all over the world. I can take my qualification. I can travel av- anywhere in the world and have a very good life. I know we kind of talk about money a bit. Money is good, but like, that shouldn't be a sole motivating factor. That's just an add-on. That's a bonus.
0: Is it a wider question of what is success as well? What are, how are we measuring success? Is it that if you're in a suit on the South Mall, you've done well? Or is it that if you have your name on the side of a, a commercial vehicle, you've done well? You know, is, is, that, is that where we're at?
1: That's, I suppose, that's what, what a lot of people would judge success as. I don't. What's success for me is home, your family life. Are you happy in your work? Do you get up every morning looking forward to go to work? Do you have your money to put food on the table? Can you put clothes on the kids' back? That's success to me. And doing a job that I like. I like getting up every morning, going and doing the job I do. I'm sure you do as well, Fiona. Do you know? But can you imagine the opposite? Can you, the, the stories that I'm getting from people. Can you imagine living your life, doing a job that you never wanted to do in the first place, just to keep mum and dad happy, just to keep 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 society happy keep appearances up I can't imagine anything worse I can't imagine getting up in the morning going to work doing something I'm not passionate about taking loans to pay for a car to get me to the job you know etc etc it's just I just want people just to encourage kids and it's not anti-college Fiona at all
0: it's yeah, and I think that's that's probably a very um, good point and something that maybe needs to be emphasised at this point is that, you know, there's huge opportunities, obviously, as well
2: with college. Absolutely. Huge. And,
0: you know, just because, you know, the money doesn't come as quick doesn't mean yeah. that the, the profession isn't as good. But th- this is about doing what you want to do and being allowed to do what you want to do. But another aspect I'd like to talk to you about is um, female representation in, in trades. Mm-hmm. What's it like at the moment?
1: It's very poor. There's talk that there's, g- girls are incul- encouraged in school, but they're not encouraged in school. I talk to them. Um, I'd ask them what happens in school when they get to fourth, fifth and sixth year. It's not seen as an option for them, you know. We need role models as well. We need women who are in trades. We need them out there. We need them talking. We need them on TV. We need them on radio shows, on podcasts like this. We need them out talking. It's like the GA. I think it's the GA. a can't see, can't be. It's the same with women in trades. Any woman who I've ever met working in trades and there's been very few have always been fantastic at their jobs. Like it's not, there's this impression that no, not they're they're not capable of it or this this idea that they may not be strong enough for it or something like this. It's absolute rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. There's manual labour. Besides now you're lifting your blocks and things like that. But most trades, there's very little, the manual work is nearly gone with the tools and things that we use now, you know. Um,
0: but that's what you have colleagues for as well. That's what exactly, you have teams yeah. for. You know? Exactly.
1: In I know in, lots of the big factories now and things, you can't even carry a pipe on your own anymore. There has to be two people carrying a pipe. But that's something that's thrown back at me. Say, oh, but she, she wouldn't be able for it. And yes, she would. Absolutely, she would, of course, be able to.
0: You know, we're in the gyms the same as men are and we're lifting not far off a lot of men, maybe more in some cases. Yeah. You know, why is it different in a workplace then? Like, why is it? I don't a- know.
1: It's everywhere else in society we're seen as equal and we should be seen as equal and we all we have the same opportunities. Why not in the trades? Why not?
0: One thing I would ask you, though, is, you know, and I know we're saying it's a societal problem and it's a, it's a peer pressure problem. Yeah. But is it a problem within the workplace as well?
1: There probably is, yeah, there probably is. But again, it may be it's, maybe it's just we need just those role models where people can see, geez, you know, they can do, women can do just as good as any, any man out there. I'll give you an example there. I was looking for an apprentice two years ago, Fiona, and I put up an ad on Facebook and I got, I think it was close to 60 CVs I got, right? There was only one one female, right? And she was a mechanical engineer from Limerick. When I rang her, she actually didn't realise that I was based in Ballon College. She just saw the ad on Facebook, assumed it was somebody local. So they're not applying for the, the apprenticeships either because they're not encouraged to, to go into the trades, you know?
0: And that would help solve a lot of the shortage problem as well. Like certainly in the short term anyway, wouldn't it? Of
1: course it would, yeah. The way things are going, like in a couple of years, you're going to be paying an absolute fortune to get any tradesman into your house because it's supply and demand. Like there's there's fewer and fewer and fewer. I'm giving people two, three month waiting times, you know, to get to work and there's just nothing you can do about it. You could work 27 or 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Fiona, and you would not get through to work.
0: Is Solace the only route to go or are people kind of getting caught doing apprenticeships that maybe aren't um, on the Solace agenda? Yeah,
1: so Solace run the tr- the 25 traditional trades, your carpentry, electrical, plumbing, all those, the ones that everyone would know that would think of as being the trades. They are on those and um, to get a trade you have to get an employer and you have to make sure that that employer is registered to train apprentices with solace that's a big big thing because there are kids out there who think that they're start they've started an apprenticeship but in fact the employer isn't registered with solace so they're just they've wasted their time unfortunately so that's very important anybody listening if mums or dads or anything and their kids are starting just make sure that that employer is registered with solace
0: is it ever too late to do an apprenticeship so if anyone's listening to this and they're 40, 50, 60, and they yeah. want to, like that gentleman in his yeah. 60s, is it yeah. too late?
1: No, it's not. Obviously, everyone's financial situations are different, but by third year, you're on over 30,000 a year, and that's just your Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, though, No, it's never too late.
0: Should girls, as well as, as boys, should everyone be exposed to those technical subjects? Do you, do you think it should be nearly mandatory that that we all just have a go at it and see?
1: absolutely. I know you were saying earlier, yeah. before we started in school, you had to do the, the subjects.
0: Well we were given, um, we were given a, you know, trial at yeah. all the subjects, whether it was art or home economics, woodwork, yeah. metalwork. You knew fairly quickly what you were, you did honestly, at yeah. thir- 13, you knew fairly quickly what you, yeah. what you could do well in and yeah. what you'd be avoiding. Now, look, unfortunately for me, metalwork and woodwork <laughs> were not my forte, but yeah. it was really nice to try it. I still remember it. Of all the subjects I did... I still remember woodwork and metalwork and they stuck out for me. I still remember them. Yeah. I still remember. I think we had to make like a, a wooden pencil case and woodwork. Couldn't do it. Like absolutely could not do it. And we had to do, uh, we had to make a shape out of a piece of steel and metalwork. Again, could not do that. But I remember it and I, I remember nearly being like, okay, that's not for me. You yeah. know, yeah, great. That's Those are two I don't want to do anyway. That's fine. You know, so we're missing a trick, definitely.
1: Definitely, and you're right. The kids should be allowed to to try all those subjects. But but as well, another thing is, do you know when they get into transition year, Fiona, I'd love to see companies, local companies, teaming up with local schools, and you get into transition year, and the tra- and the start transition year, you're going to say, right, lads, we have 30 companies here. They're all willing to take E for a couple of days' work experience. And any, if any of these tickle your fancy, let us know. We'll put you in contact. I take transition your students every year in Balancholic from the two schools. But uh, that should be a formal connection between me and the school, that every year I have two or three kids that come to me. Parents always come back to me afterwards and say how much they enjoyed it and how the variety they work, said, But what about your industries, your pharma companies, all these kind of companies, your manufacturing companies, that if they're in the local schools, you can go in here and it's something you go, do you know what? As you said, you tried it, you gave it a go. You're shadowing an engineer or a pharmacist or whatever. And she said, jeez, I love that. Or jeez, no, that's definitely not for me anyway. That's brilliant, like.
0: Some of the messages you got in, they just couldn't do the the apprenticeships. Yeah. You know, what would you say to those people?
1: Go ahead and I'll, give, I'll help them in any way I can. Life is just too short, I think, to be stuck in something you don't want to do. Just have a go off it. It's It can be hard to get an apprenticeship, right? Because you have to find the employer yourself, right? That's a whole other can of worms we could probably go into, but persevere that you will get somebody eventually you will get a start eventually and just go for it like life is too short to be doing something you not you don't enjoy
0: where can they go for advice is there any good website they can go to to yeah
1: they can go on to apprenticeship.ie um and that will give them all all the apprenticeships everything all the new ones we spoke about as well and then if they're looking for actual employers there's an, a website called apprenticeshipjobs.ie and that's a live website with employers looking for apprentices, you know. You're you know?
0: your own boss as well. That's yeah. another That's another huge plus for a lot of people coming out of school.
1: Anybody can start. It's I kind of, I always liked working. I liked working for myself. I have a great life. I have a fabulous life, you know. Now, Fiona, it's not all, you know, Rosie in the Garden either. Like there's there's tough days when you're working for yourself and there's tough days when you're an apprentice. But you work your way through it. Like you get through it and you get great life lessons How to about, number one, hard work, how to deal with people. Um... When you start into business on your own, you find out some pretty harsh business les- lessons fairly quickly because part of an apprenticeship isn't there's no business training in an apprenticeship.
0: I never see graduation ceremonies or anything like that. Do you think that's a problem? That yeah, like that, that w- that's a big that's a big deal in your life to. It is yeah. Stand with a cap and gown with your parents and it say is, this yeah. is what I've achieved.
1: It's all the little things that make the big things. Like yeah.
0: Ken, thanks for joining us today. It's been absolutely so insightful.
1: Super. Thanks, Mill.
0: Maggie Cusack, president of MTU, thank you so much for joining me for the second half of this podcast that focuses on apprenticeships and where things are at at the moment in that sphere and what more needs to be done. From an MTU perspective and a third level institution
2: perspective. How are things going in that sphere? Thank you. I'm absolutely delighted to be here to discuss this topic with you. MTU are fully committed to the provision of apprenticeships. Um, That's something that we're really passionate about, really providing that range of opportunities. We're very mindful that people have different aptitudes and different ways of learning. So it's important for us that we make provision for, for all of those different approaches. And when we think about some of the really grand challenges that we're facing and will face in the future as a society, we think about the housing crisis, we think about climate and how we're going to have to do things in different ways, then that real practical approach comes to the fore and it should be obvious to all that those skill sets are going to be essential to solve a lot of the issues. So... We at MTU have really increased the number of apprenticeship blocks that we've provided over the last number of years, really significant increase, almost threefold in the last couple of years. But there are challenges and the challenges for us are really around facilities, so infrastructure and and space. So we receive funding for new curricula when they're introduced, but the struggle for us is really around upgrading buildings and services and space to to provide that. So those are really our short term um, challenges that we face. And I think longer term, it would be great if we could move to a position where there's whether it's forecasting about recruitment of numbers and targets so that we could plan things in a really meaningful way and make sure that we have things in place.
0: Mindset is a huge issue, Maggie, in terms of apprenticeships. Ken made the point that, you know, a lot of uh, parents would ring him up and say their son or their daughter. More often than not, though, their son would like to do an apprenticeship and and the mindset is he doesn't want to go to college. Yet this is a a very, very skilled trade that takes a lot of years of work and study.
2: I think that's really unfortunate, isn't it? That idea about, oh, someone doesn't want to go to college or is not at college. I mean, the the technological universities, MTU, provide apprenticeships within within the university and, and people are. At college, you know, they're doing a lot of of the theory work as well as that real um, practical skills base. So I think that's an important point for people to to understand. And I think there's, there's probably an issue about lack of understanding of that learn while you earn and that that's a really positive aspect. And to value them in the same way, they're different. It's not one that is greater or more important than another. We do... Require that whole whole suite of of skills for us to function well as a as a good society.
0: And in recognising those skills, Maggie, do you think it's important that
2: there's a change here in the CAO? I, I think that's one thing that would help. Um, I think you know apprenticeships are, are sort of employer led, and the employers doing a lot for recruitment and, and promotion of the, the opportunities of that career path. I think having them um, available on the CEO really helps with that parity of esteem. It's, it's almost like setting out, you know, here's the selection, here are the things that you can do, here are the different routes, and they're all there simply as different routes rather than that sort of reinforcing as you have to go to university to do what I'm by term a traditional degree and that's of more worth than any other approach I think I think that's problematic so I think including in the CEO I think is one one step that would help you know pe- people um qualifying as apprenticeships as apprentices Um, are highly skilled and can command good income, um, which is, I think, we would all consider um, attractive. And I think another point that's really important is the possibilities of different progression routes. So I can think of examples where um, students have come to to Level 6 to apprenticeships at, at a technological university They've um secured their qualifications, go off into the workplace, and they can come back later and then um study for, for higher qualifications, either on exactly the same route they were on, or to complement their skill set as they find out, you know, grow and develop more and find out what's going to really help them in their business and in their careers.
0: What has MTU seen in terms of uptake um from uh, women? Is it a change that needs to start second level, do you think, to help third level increase
2: that uptake? There's no one single step that's going to solve everything here. So I, th- I think it is about us being very conscious of this matter and taking explicit steps and really watching out for the implicit because I think the implicit bias can be... A- work when we're not even really aware of it. So there's that promotion of role models, thinking about, you know, what materials we put out there, what photographs we put out there. If there's only ever one woman in a picture, you know, with 20 men, then the subliminal message has been sent there. So really thinking about positive um, examples and role models and I think it would be a really great idea to offer say work experiences like you're talking about one work experience but that would be really good to have those work experience opportunities during transition year and for women and girls to then be in the different workplaces and to have a sense of "Mm, I actually enjoy this or I don't and that's that matter of choice again. I think the public sector is actually doing quite well in this this area there's good examples Dublin corporation and bus erin and local councils really doing well to encourage females to take up apprenticeships and I think it would be good to see even more of that in the in the private sector.
0: And what is the experience like in MTU for people studying apprenticeships? Is it largely a, is it largely a college experience or is it is it an off-campus experience for many? Yeah
2: it's a really important point that you raised there because I think that one of the issues may be when, you know, you're leaving school and you're making your decisions, you want the college experience. So that might be a a reason for some to, to rule out. Um, the potential of pursuing an apprenticeship, but actually it is a college experience. And in some ways, you can think it's almost like the best, you know, of both worlds. It's that back to that earn while you learn that you have the college experience, you have that practical experience when you're in, you know, the workplace, and actually come through with your qualification that way. So there is there is college experience. And I think there's lots that we can learn from. I think there's countries where this is much more common and perhaps more popular. There's real successes in in France. And even I had experience when I was um, based in Scotland for graduate apprenticeships where, you know, you have degrees coming out with the same qualification. Some students are doing it by the traditional route and others are doing it where you have that work. You're spending a lot of time in the workplace and you're doing projects, et cetera, that are all related to your actual workplace and then then gaining the, the same qualification. So, and again, I think that maps really well to different learners and people who approach things in different ways, and it's just making that parity. Here are different routes to it, but they're both of equal value and they both have a college experience.
0: What more would MTU like to do?
2: So as I said over the last couple of years we've increased our numbers almost threefold so we have apprentices on our in our Kerry campuses on south campus and also on our Bishopstown campus in Cork and if I give you an example we had nine apprentices apprenticeship blocks in in uh, 2019-20 and that went to 26 blocks in 21-22 so our limit literally is the infrastructure and the space that's our primary uh, limitation. So there's lots more that, that we would like to do. And we're really mindful of the grand challenges that are facing society. If we think about the housing challenge, we think about sustainability, we think about all the changes that we have to make in order to provide um renewable energy sources. There's lots of things have to change in how we do things in society. And the apprenticeship route, I think, is a really important one for us to be able as a society to upskill and reskill and make sure we're ready for those challenges and to try as best we can to be ahead of the curve.
0: And has the change from, we'll say, the ITT, Trilly and the CIT to MTU, has that made a difference to mindset and attitude, do you think?
2: I, I I think so um for MTU we've seen um really positive growth in terms of demand um for all of our courses actually across the board. And I know that over last year there was a there was a national uplift, wasn't there, where there was uplift, see on average about eight percent. Um, for first preferences, and MTU was way beyond that. We were you know, almost double that, close to 16%. So I think there is um, a real interest and a recognition on what the technological universities can offer. And it's not just about that broad subject base, it's also about different modes of delivery. And that long ladder of opportunity, those different levels and the flexibility there. And all of those aspects, I think, are fundamentally important about the technological universities. And we'll be striving to make sure that we all of those remain in place and become reinforced and even stronger.
0: Maggie, thank you very much for joining us. And we hope to see uh, all these changes roll in in the coming years and decades as Cork City continues
2: to grow. Thanks very much, Maggie. Many thanks, Fiona. Great speaking to you. Thank
0: you. And thank you to Ken and Maggie for sharing their experiences and views. On Point Unscripted is brought to you by Cork Chamber, the voice of business in Cork. And you can hear more from this series by logging on to corkchamber.ie.